Hello people of the world, I'm your host Safi Shisha Karsan Singh and welcome to my podcast. Okay, so Not So Innocent is a true crime podcast, so if you are a true crime junkie like myself, welcome. And uh, guys, guys, before I start with the case, I would like to address a couple of things. Firstly, thank you guys so much. Thank you to my family, thank you to my friends, my friends of friends, my the friends of my family, everyone. Just thank you so much for you have shown great love and support. And I really did not expect that kind of response, but yeah, I was just in awe. It was mind-boggling. And for that, I love you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you from the core of my heart. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Second thing is, like I've mentioned in my trailer, just a minute. If you haven't listened to my trailer, I request you to please stop right here and go back. Listen to my trailer and come back. Okay, make sure you come back. So today's case is going to be about Cyanide Mohan. Now his real name is... Mohan Kumar Vivekanand, he murdered at least 20 women, at least 20 women. And he also allegedly was involved in bank frauds and other financial forgeries. Now, Mohan was a school teacher. He taught at Shiradi Primary School, which is located in Dakshina, Canada. Now, his victims are all women with the age groups of mid-twenties to early-thirties. This case started when a woman named Anita Mulya was reported missing from her home in Barihar village in Pantwal Taluk. Her family, her family was devastated, okay? They were worried. They were searching for her everywhere in the village, every nook and corner of the village with the help of their neighbors. They couldn't find her. They couldn't find her anywhere. So they get more worried, right? They got suspicious from a rumor. So this rumor said, what if Anita was kidnapped? What if she was kidnapped by a Muslim man? Or what if she ran away with a Muslim man, right? Because at this point in time, this whole love jihad, situation was very very popular okay so love jihad is this theory where a muslim man seduces a hindu girl with the aim to convert her to islam so everyone was worried they were like oh someone must have kidnapped her and this rumor it spread like wildfire it reaches the ears of the right wing hindu outfits now the right-wing Hindu outfits, my understanding of the right-wing Hindu outfits is that they are like the people who are like hardcore into Hindu religion or they are like just the people who are like so into their religion, right? So yeah, it reached their ears and they weren't happy. They weren't happy hearing about Anita's case. They started this whole protest. 
right it and it also kind of opened a way to start like this whole communal storm in that area so they were protesting all over the district and there was this big ruckus outside the Bantwal police station oh it was so big it was chaotic it was to the point that protesters were threatening the police the Bantwal police to burn down the whole police station and this is this is worrisome okay if i was working in that police station i would run for my life so the even the bantwal police station was scared so they were worried at this point they were like what if this goes out of hands what if they actually burn our police station where will we sit where will we how will we come to work every day right so yeah they they immediately formed this high level probe team or a task force to keep it simple under the leadership of the then circle inspector nanjunde gaura and the then superintendent chandra gupta now i know we've heard this name in history class okay and even i feel like calling him chandra gupta maurya but that's not his name so let's not call him that and also again i probably butchered um inspector gaura's name so let's keep it inspector gora and superintendent chandra gupta now they began this big hunt for anita right and they found anita they found anita a month after this whole ordeal now a month why because they you know they needed time so they were buying time to find out anita they were searching for her everywhere in the village again and outside the village outside the district and everywhere and they find her they found anita but here's the thing she was found in a ladies toilet or restroom at the intercity bus stand in hassan which is a town 160 kilometers away from bantwal now anita was found in the toilet frothing at the mouth and I don't really know in which position was she found. I don't know if this is relevant or not, but then again, so she was found in this toilet, right? She was unconscious. She was frothing out of her mouth and the door was locked. It was locked from inside. So when the police reached there, they had to break open the door in order for them to get inside and see like what's happening. And I think this is also one of the reason how they found out like something was wrong inside right people were like why wouldn't this person get out like there's a long line here like what happened la 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 right and so they must have reported to police and so when the police got in they found anita frothing and she was wearing a red sari as if she was you know she was ready for a marriage or something right and The weird thing is they did not find any jewelry. So she did not have any jewelry on her. I mean, someone who looks like she's ready for her wedding, but she does not have any jewelry. And she was locked from inside. I mean, the door was locked from inside. She was inside that toilet by herself. and frothing at the mouth so just this 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 just gets twisted okay but then the police did not see that the police were like oh this is this must have been a suicide okay so they were like okay let's pull her out out of the restroom and let's see what we can do right let's see what we'll do 
after this. So they took her they took her out of the restroom and while taking her out of the restroom, you know the police were busy doing that and the crowd was busy swarming near the body of Anita. A short man with a thick moustache in his forties quietly slipped out. Now this man, this man is Mohan Kumar. He hurried out of the bus and you know and went to the nearby lodge where he and Anita had spent the night and he immediately collected all his belongings and gathered all of Anita's jewelry in another plastic bag and then he left. He left the lodge, got into a bus and went far away as possible from Hassan. Okay, now let's talk a bit about Mohan. So Mohan was born in a scheduled caste family on 6th April 1963. There's a reason why I'm stressing if he was born in a scheduled caste family or a scheduled tribe family or general okay so there's a reason okay so he has three siblings two brothers and a sister his parents were daily wage laborers who worked on agricultural lands of rich farmers so so it's basically like rich farmers make poor farmers work in their farm now in the 70s the state government would make houses for the backward section they would make this uh, house out of a scheme right rural housing scheme and so they got a concrete tiled roof single story house and there mohan and his whole family lived and apparently his brother ramesh still lives there now mohan also lived with his brother at Kanyana village when he was attending high school and one of his relatives said that back in the days there was not a lot of academic interest amongst you know the children out there and many of them were lazy or dropped out of school but then these four children Kumar and his siblings were bright and they studied well so it was a nice thing it's a nice thing that you're actually serious about their studies and one of his um, one of his brothers is a conductor with the state transport bus corporation and his sister works in a postal department now mohan even completed a ba degree course in upinangadi first grade college in dakshina kannada itself now there was a school friend of mohan his name is Abdur Rahman. He used to talk to him often and he remembered Mohan as an athletic boy who played kabaddi and cricket. He said Mohan was a clean guy. He was average in his studies and he used to work hard on his physical fitness. So Mohan really liked sports. And Mohan's elder brother Ramesh said that he couldn't quite remember anything unusual from their childhood that would point to his you know to mohan's future psychopathic leanings and he said that he was mild mannered but he was reserved and he spoke less so when they were very young when mohan and his siblings were very young 
his father abandons the family leaving them to fend for themselves now ramesh mohan's brother said that it was a critical point in their lives but mohan and his mother had a very good bond had a very good connection and mohan was deeply attached to his mother so he finished graduation and right after his graduation mohan entered government service as a primary school teacher on a contractual basis and according to police records mohan began his career from shiradi primary school which is located in the rurals of mangaluru in november 1984 and has since worked in different schools across the district now he used to teach english science mathematics and i think at one point he was a pe teacher as well because he did like physical fitness and i saw in one of the articles that said that he was a pe teacher in some school but he was under long spells of suspension due to his irregular attendance and misdeeds now misdeeds please keep notes i i don't know why that they not specify here but i found out in another article that one of his misdeeds could be that when he was asked why did he stop teaching mohan said that he was dismissed from the service right and when he was asked why he said this is his words there was a woman who wanted to marry me but when i refused she started arguing with me and fell in the river nitravati but some fisher folks nearby thought i had pushed her and registered a complaint against me now mohan did serve time for this uh, complaint he was charged with attempted murder and was jailed for a month before he was acquitted see this sounds fishy okay i mean the fisher folks oh fishy the fisher folks okay so the the fishermen they they saw mohan pushing this woman but but he he wasn't found guilty he was found innocent i don't know if this was true or not if he actually pushed her or not but then i couldn't find anything like the details of this case i couldn't find anywhere he was found innocent and then he was released now let's talk about his marriages yes marriages he had three wives so his first marriage he was married to mary when he taught at shiradi primary school so his first wife was mary okay mary was in class 7 when they fell in love so i i don't know if mary was a student or not if she was a student it's going to be so weird. i mean the marriage right so they fell in love when she was um, in class 7 but you know they waited till she turned 18 and they got married right after she turned 18 but the marriage ended with a divorce now you see mary was a christian and she wanted mohan to convert to christianity but mohan mohan did not want to convert so they got a divorce and i guess the marriage did not last long and 
Mohan did not even have kids with Mary. So, yeah. There, there is nothing really spicy in the first marriage. Now, Mohan's second marriage was to Manjula. She belonged to the same community as him. And this marriage was arranged by his family in 1992. He has two sons with Manjula and both of the sons are probably already working by now. And I hope they're doing well. And so Manjula said that Mohan was always nice to her. In the initial years of their marriage, he did not really talk much. Like he would just come home from school, eat and go to sleep. So even at this point, he was still teaching, right? But after he moved out from Manjula's mother's house to another place in Kasaragot, is when he started talking a bit more. He started socializing a bit more. And maybe she was like, oh, th- maybe this is good, you know? We we will talk more and we will get to know more about each other and stuff, right? But even so, this is, this is just that, like, what I'm going to tell you. Even you're going to say it's, it's, you will feel bad for them, okay? So Manjula said that, like other couples, they've never gone out for an outing or a date night or shopping or anything. She said that they got to go out only this one time when he took his students for a school trip. A school trip. And that's it. They didn't even go anywhere else after that. So it's sad. I feel really bad reading about this. But then to think of it back like back then most of the people don't really go out right they don't really go out for dinners and shopping and do all the stuff together these were the things these are the i mean these are the things that only people with higher income would do right people with a salary of a school teacher can't really afford dinner dates and all those fancy schmancy stuff okay uh, speaking of which, this is totally out of the context, but I want to talk about it. I think teachers need to be paid more. You know, their, their contribution is bigger than any of us, so they really need to be paid more. Now, okay, back to Manjula. So she says that Mohan would often advise her, and I'm saying advice with double quotations. So he would advise her to take care of the kids' education. And he never really did anything himself. Yeah. He didn't really contribute much. That's what Manjula said. And she says that it was like she single-handedly brought the kids up with hardly any contribution or any involvement from Mohan. And... Honestly, this the second marriage looked like she wasn't happy. Like Manjula wasn't really happy. I don't know if Mohan was happy, but Manjula wasn't really happy with the marriage. She had to work hard all by herself to raise the kids. Uh, we'll go to the third marriage. Now, his third marriage was to Sri Devi. And people say that Mohan seems oddly attached to Sri Devi. The, his third wife. I don't know why, but he was really, really attached to her. And you'll find out how. 
so he has two kids with man uh, i'm sorry with shri devi a daughter and a son they live in deralakate i hope i pronounced that right now when mohan was initially caught shri devi would you know pay him a visit in the prison and then she suddenly stopped she suddenly stopped going to the prison she suddenly stopped any engagements or any communications with mohan and afterwards they got a divorce mohan and shri devi they got a divorce and now shri devi is married to a fellow inmate of mohan whom she met while visiting mohan they fell in love and they get married right after he was released from jail and in a short interview after mohan's trial mohan was asked about you know his crimes and what not and he was also asked about his three wives he struggled to recollect the names he claims that he's not really good with names but i mean come on he was married to them how can he not remember their names okay i'm still struggling with that yeah uh, it, it's i'm still thinking about it. like how could he not remember his wife's names it's just crazy right so about his first marriage he did not really have much to say but then when the conversation turned to his other two wives he referred to his third wife as shrikala now he was corrected and he was told that her name was not shrikala her name was shri devi you fool shri devi and then the interviewer said that you know he had met shri devi before coming to mangaluru to interview him and then mohan was like what his his face expression changed it completely changed his smile disappeared and so whenever he's like interviewed he would always cover his mouth with his fingers yeah so when he was asked about shrivi even his fidgety fingers just stopped it like it just dropped and and then he asked did she speak to you over the phone or did you meet her and then he was told that the conversation took place over the phone and he wanted to have her number but yeah i don't think the interviewer gave him i hope he did not give him because that's weird that's ooh alarming red flag i mean i know he couldn't do anything from i don't know yeah i don't really know if he can or he cannot do anything from prison but yeah he was asking for his number and i just hope that he did not give i mean the interviewer did not give him the number shri devi's number now this is this is honestly this is clearly very very weird and it also tells us that you know he he actually was attached to shri devi he was he was concerned about shri devi so that sums up mohan's background as in his childhood and his marriages and how he was as a kid and so on right now let's get back to anita now the police the bantwal police started tracing anita's phone records right and 
while doing that, the call records of Anita's landline reveal that she used to, to talk to someone for a long time late in the night. And this number belonged to someone called Kaferi in Madikeri, who the cop also found out was missing. And of course, they were shocked. They were shocked. What is going on? So again, they did the same thing. They traced Kaveri's uh, call records and, and they found another suspicious number. So it, it many calls were made from this number for a long period of time. Again, like Anita's situation, like Anita's case, right? And none of the family members could recognize that number. So this number led the police to another person called Pushpa Fasukoda in Kasaragod. Now she too was reported missing a year ago. And the police was like, at this point the police were like, like what, what in the world is going on right now? Someone please tell me what's going on. And so they did the same thing with Pushpa's call records. And they found another name and it led to a woman named Vinutha Pijina from Puttur. And as Vinutha's phone records led him to another missing woman and then again the, from that missing woman led to another missing woman and the threat the, the threat has just basically formed at this time. And they were all confused. It was like what in the world is going on? Is this like something like big or what is going on? Right? And so the police at first suspected that it could be a trafficking racket operation but then they couldn't find anything right they couldn't find anything so they got back to the search all the possibilities i mean they looked into all the possibilities that could have happened and so all the cell phones had been tracking where you know at some point was active in a village called deralakate in mangaluru sounds familiar folks and as the cops you know as the police went to Deralakate for investigation so they began raiding all these small hotels and lodges you know because they did suspect that it could be a trafficking racket or prostitution racket but they didn't find anything and right at that time they were informed by the team back in Pantwal that Kaveri's phone had pinged three minutes earlier in Deralakate. Now the police went there as fast as they could and they found a cell phone in a young boy's hand. So this young boy is Dhanush. Now Dhanush told them that it was given to him by his uncle Mohan Kumar. Yeah, so they got him, they got him, right? But the police didn't know, of course, at this point that it was Mohan Kumar. So at this point, the police knew that they were close to catching the culprit, right? Now at that time, Mohan was making calls, making long calls to another woman named Sumitra Shikara Pujari of Pantwal. Now he was picked up and then, you know, the, the police 
called her and they were like can you help us find this guy and all of this stuff he's you know calling you now and and it goes on and on right and then they were like oh and then she was like okay and also sumita happened to be a witness of anita and mohan at the bus stop so she saw these two and so she was like oh my god she must have been like oh my god thank god the police caught him in time you know even i would be like that i would be like thank goodness god you still love me i know right and so she was like okay like hell yeah i will team up with you so sumita teamed up with the police with the bantwal police and they called and so sumita called him for you know to meet to meet her at some place and the police caught him so mohan was caught and during the interrogation what mohan told the police was chilling it was chilling okay if i was there in the interrogation room i would just i don't know what will i do to mohan okay but yeah i think he wasn't even he didn't even care he was like yeah i killed 32 women and what will you do no no he probably did not say that but he did confess that he had killed around 32 women and you must be wondering how did he do that i mean 32 is a big number right and it is a big number so he would woo them he would you know call them and he would talk to them whenever they're in a bus stand so he said that he would find these women in a bus stand right and then he would go approach them talk to them and it was also known that Mohan in spite of you know the a person that he is that people say that he is you know he spoke less and all of that stuff he was a smooth talker so Mohan was a player and so he would them and then he spoke to them and then if they respond if their response is kind of positive from his point of view kind of positive so then he would you know then ask them to uh, then ask them to meet him somewhere and it would be like kind of a little date or something and then he would see how would they respond to his physical approach to put it in a simple way and so he would be like okay so if he gets a positive response from from that as well so he would be like okay this is a get go i got her okay i got my next victim and so he would do that and he would promise them of marriage he would be like baby i am going to marry you and i don't want any dowry because that is how he would target his victim the women who are of age or a woman who have already crossed the age of marriage according to the indian society society rules and terms of course so he would woo them then he would say oh i'm going to marry you don't worry about dowry okay i will marry you i don't want the money but but you're going to have to take all of your finest gold ornaments because of course my dear you have to look beautiful on our wedding day right so he was like carry your best outfit 
okay carry your best wedding dress and oh wedding sari and your finest jewelries and your finest ornaments okay carry them with you and we'll run away from this filthy society and so then the woman fell for that because first of all he would tell them that he is a government officer and he would strike a conversation with them and again he would target like women who are you know from a poor background or you know they were like from a lower caste and poor and just poor exactly and you know have crossed the age of marriage again according to indian society terms and rules and so he would target them and i can see i can see why these women would fall for his lies and his trap right because they've already crossed the age of marriage right and then they found this person who is willing to marry them who works with the government and is well settled so they were like oh they must have thought that they hit a jackpot or something right even i would think the same okay so and then it, and it just it, it just goes on from there and he would be like you don't need for dowry i don't want dowry okay i don't want dowry it's just this i just love you yeah he would just say that he would like i love you my dear but one thing again don't forget your finest ornaments okay don't forget them so then when the date of marriage is set they would run away and also one more important thing the thing that you know mohan really kept in his mind while hunting his victims was their caste and during the initial conversations he would you know ask about their caste and then he would be like oh even i'm from the same caste that's even better you know and then if he gets a positive response so he would propose them he would set this marriage date and then they would just run away and then he would pick them up from wherever and then they would stay in a lodge which is near to a bus stand and they will spend the night over at the lodge and then they would have sex and stuff and then the next morning he would be like this is the morning that we are going to unite okay we're going to get married this today but then before that take a walk with me baby take a walk with me but leave all of your gold ornaments in the lodge and we'll just take a walk like that right and then we'll just go to the temple like this i mean it's okay i love you anyways i love you without the gold ornaments as well so let's go let's go get married without your ornaments so he would be like like let's go we'll take a walk and when he reached the bus stand he would ask them to take this pill contraceptive pill and he was very calculative so he kept track of their fertility cycles to ensure that they were ovulating at that time so that they won't hesitate to take that pill right so maybe he would be like oh i i don't want to be a father so soon 
you don't want to be that either right we want to spend our we want to spend more time like couples first right so maybe he said that pretty sure he said that and so he was and so these women would take the pill but little did they know that these pill were laced with cyanide yes they were laced with cyanide i mean even with this idea of lacing the pill with cyanide he was very calculative so the story of the cyanide how did it come into the picture how did it come to his mind to do something like this right so remember he was arrested for a month for allegedly pushing the woman in the river yeah so it was during that time so he met this goldsmith and he befriended him and this goldsmith told him about why was he in jail what did he do that he ended up in jail right so he was like i'm a goldsmith i polish gold jewelry with cyanide powder yep they do that so please don't chew on your gold jewelry people so with the cyanide powder they polish this jewelry and apparently he disposed the powder carelessly and goats and cows were dying because of his carelessness and he he's in jail he ended up in jail like that mohan was like damn that's a good idea to kill someone right so yeah he got the idea of using cyanide from this goldsmith after he was out he bought these batches of cyanide from goldsmiths he also knew that it was easily available in the market so the goldsmith told him that you know it's easily available in the market i'm pretty sure the goldsmith did not know what mohan's intentions were at that point in time and so apparently in 2003 anyone could just i'm sorry anyone could just buy cyanide off the shelf like just like that that was in karnataka it was 250 per kg mohan was like oh my god i don't even have to spend so much money for that right so when the police started doing the investigation they found out from where did mohan buy the cyanide and it was from abdul salam he was a chemical dealer like he sold cyanide to mohan thinking that he was a jeweler or something right salam was later arrested and he even testified in the court against mohan and so just like that he got the idea of using cyanide to kill these women and inspector gora said that he was meticulous this is his word okay he was meticulous from identifying his targets women from poor background desperate to get married to mapping their fertility circles so that they wouldn't think twice about the pill this is true this is actually true and he even chose the hotels or lodges which are the closest to the bus stand so that he can just leave like that i mean of course this whole thing would make people think that you know it's a suicide or something because like these women were in their saris in their red saris and they took this pill and they were poisoned so yeah it it was kind of believable but then again you can't be that dumb police people i mean the police and he was tried only for 20 counts 
of murder and not 32. But he did confess, he initially confessed that he killed around 32 women. Yeah, that is just so frustrating. Where, where, where is the rest of 12 women, Mohan? But then the thing was, they just kind of ruled it out as suicide because the chemical was easily available, first thing, and the door was locked. And again, like all of the signs were, you know, pointing at suicide. It's sad. But then again, like all these women were found in that condition, right? And none of them, like none of those people, none of the police, none of the investigators, investigators thought that they could be related. How could all these women be found in a lady's toilet in a bus stand with the with their red saris on, yeah, frothing at their mouth? Like how how could they not think of? I can't really process that thought. Like. How could they not just be like, oh, maybe all of these cases are related. Maybe. Right? It's just, yeah, that that's the thing that's really messing with my mind. So Mohan was convicted for all of the 20 murders. He was tried for all the 20 murders. And each case, like each case separately, of course. But he initially told the cops that he killed 32. But then in the court, he denied that. And he even denied killing them and he said that they consumed cyanide because he refused to marry them. Yeah. So the trial in three murders, Anita's, Anita's Leelavati mystery and Sunanda Pujari was concluded on December 21st, 2013 and Mohan was sentenced to death. Now, after this, he challenged, he challenged the verdict of he challenged the verdict and he was like oh, I'll take this to high court he actually said that and then he was tried for two other murders which are of Himawati Gora and Baby Naik now Mohan is arguing his own case yeah he did he did argue his own case so Mohan argued his own case his hair is dyed black all you know neatly brushed and he was dressed neatly and clean with a pen in his breast pocket for someone who likes physical fitness he wasn't a big guy he was short and that just just that look of him he did not look psychopathic at all he did not look like a person who would kill 20 women and he stood before the judge he looked smart he looked like a professor and a lawyer all at once and he listened carefully to the judge and then he you know takes notes and stuff he had this plastic bag with more court documents it was just there on the table next to him and so he looked kind of professional one fun fact so he was tried on 2013 right for for the three murders from 2009 to 2013, he was studying in the prison. He was studying law books and whatnot, right? Trying to find loopholes, trying to find all of those stuff because he decided he would argue his own case. And I don't know if that is because he couldn't find anyone or he couldn't find a lawyer or anyone to fight his case. 
so mohan wasn't he he was quite smart i would say he was quite smart because he was reading all of this and we he was presenting his own case and apparently he did fairly well for a beginner and for someone who's not from a law background at one point he did ask inspector gora so here's how it goes i will read it as it is from the article as the judge signals for him to proceed he shuffles the sheaf of papers before him and refers to the handwritten notes in a loud and clear voice mohan requests the judge to flip to a particular page on the charge sheet he then turns towards the witness box where investigating officer gora stands mohan holds forth and said at one place it is written that i sold the gold jewelry while in another it is mentioned that the gold was pledged is this mere discrepancy or proof of lies that the police has concocted about me is this statement made by me or was it drafted by the inspector himself so yeah he he really did his homework and inspector gora was caught off guard and he looked embarrassed he took a moment to gather himself he took deep breaths and then he told the court that it was just an error yeah it was just a typo error that's what he said it was a typo error i mean again why How, why okay and mohan puts the you know he puts the pen back confidently so he puts the pen back in his breast pocket and bows to the judge before walking out of the room as the court adjourns for lunch so yeah he really did his homework and all of that stuff so he he really did his thing he worked hard for his own case but again he is still a murderer right he is still a murderer and nothing can take away that fact nothing can change that fact he did kill the 20 women or the 32 women when mohan was interviewed and was asked you know how how did he identify his victims how did he make his targets he was like this is his words i mostly found these women at the bus stands i would strike a conversation with them and exchange phone numbers if they agreed to come with me for a glass of juice i was able to gauge whether they were likely to succumb and surrender to me then we would go to the park and i would see how they responded to my physical overtures i was attracted to women who were simple looking that's what he said and when he was asked you know why did he kill the woman and like i've mentioned before whenever he was interviewed he would always be like fidgety and his fingers would always be on his mouth he would say i did not say that i killed them i mean i could see that he was a smooth talker he was smart he was smart with his words right and so you know he was also asked like how did they all end up so according to him 
he created that situation because he wouldn't you know he wouldn't agree to marry them anymore and and then you know these these women they would threaten him that you know he would go to jail and then he and then they would reveal his his truth and then they would complain of sexual harassment against him that is how like it got all problematic according to him and when asked if he ever felt any remorse or guilt that so many women died he said every time a woman died i felt very bad but it only lasted for 15 or 20 days then another woman would come along and i would forget all about the past i mean come on bro i mean he he is i he i don't know i i don't know if i should say that he has a mental problem because he was smart if he wasn't he wouldn't fight his own case in such a smart way and he wouldn't plan all of those stuff so he he was but he was psycho and after all of that he was still asking about shri devi this is how we know that he he actually cares about shri devi so after his trial the police got him in the in the van that's when he got up and he stopped he turned around and asked the person who remember the interview who said he met shri devi before meeting him before interviewing him yeah that so he asked that person does shri devi remember me does she talk about me fondly he really does care about shri devi but why do you do this bro you could have just stayed with shri devi forever if you if you do not kill these women okay this whole case this whole case is just crazy so right now mohan got a life sentence in his 20th murder case earlier he had been awarded a death sentence right in five cases and a life imprisonment in others and two of the death penalties were later commuted to life imprisonment so he was also awarded life sentence and rupees and 25000 rupees fine for murder under section 302 of IPC 10 years and rupees 5000 for abduction 10 years and rupees 5000 for feeding poison 7 years and 5000 rupees for rape 5 years and 5000 for robbing jewelry and imprisonment and fines for cheating and destroying evidence now the court examined 46 witnesses and 85 documentary evidences and 31 assets and right now mohan is serving time he is awarded with life imprisonment yeah that is the end of case and one annoying thing is did you hear about these fines 5000 5000 for abduction like what 5000 for rape like what i i just i can't believe i don't know if if these are like the regular rates but again i can't i can't wrap my head like five five thousand 
Okay, so that was our case. That was our first case. I hope you guys liked it. And thank you guys. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you for listening. Thank you for staying with me so far. Thank you. And we'll meet next week on Wednesdays.